Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for. A podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. Go. I'm excited, guys. I am so excited for this conversation, for the next few minutes that we'll, we'll be speaking. This guest here is an absolute badass. He is someone I've interviewed before, interviewed, learned from, uh, gone to his school session of a podcast. Uh, I had a chance to be on his show. He's been on mine. If you're interested, check out episode 287 of the Hardcore Marketing Show, where I got absolutely schooled by this guest on all things brand. And, and, and very tactical too, and, and like how to actually do things. So we, we set some strategies, some pie in the sky, but then we rolled up our sleeves and got to work. So I'm a huge fan of him. He knows it. I, uh, and he's also been around the world. He can speak three languages. He's been to China and Singapore and Austria and Germany and, and Canada. Uh, he's the host of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast, and I love that title. He's he's just crossed 102 episodes. I can't wait to learn from him. Co-founder and director of client engagement at Einblick Consulting, Christian Klepp. Welcome back, sir. Casey, it's a pleasure to be here uh, on this show, and it's a pleasure to be interviewed by you for a second time. Again, I yes. guess we did something right, or you're just very kind because you came back for another <laughs> dose. <laughs> yeah, there was a... Uh, you definitely have your appeal, that's for sure. Oh, well, oh, good, good. I'm glad you didn't have to medicate prior to this show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal, man. We get to mm -hmm. geek out on this thing that we love, and I can't wait to learn from you and, and, and geek out on this topic. So pull back the curtain for us on your show and share with us your most important strategy for a great interview podcast. First of all, thanks for having me. That was a heck of an intro. Um, <laughs> I, I, be, I better live up to the hype. Um, pulling back the curtain, I, I would say, and this is something that I've uh, learned over these past two years that I've been running this podcast. It starts with the question, what is your show's raison d'etre? I'm going to use the French term. What is the reason for being? Why do you want to launch this podcast? Who is it for? Who is your intended audience, right? Uh, why are you creating the show for them? What's in it for them? What challenges are they facing? What problems are they having? And what do you hope to achieve by creating this show, coming up with this content and interviewing all these people? Like, what do you hope that they will walk away from, right? Uh, when they walk away, let, let me rephrase that. When they walk away from the show, what do you hope that they would have learned? Or what would what, what do you hope that they're going to take away from this that they can also uh, implement and act upon, right? So it's got to be, if you're if you're thinking about a show, you got to think about, like, it's got to be beyond yourself, right? Like, um, and I know this is probably something you've heard time and time again, like, the show is not about you, it's about the audience, right? So, and, and also, importantly, if you're a business owner like you and I are, what are you hoping to gain by launching a podcast, like what is what what is it going to bring to your business? Right. So there, um, I would I would say like that's a lot of questions, right? But that's basically those are the questions that you need to ask, and the answers to those will then serve as the blueprint or the outline that will then define your the strategy for your podcast. It opinion. all starts with questions before you even get to asking someone else the question. You right. need to ask yourself these questions. That's that right. is brilliant, man. And that's the market strategy, right? Yeah. Trying to figure out where the heck you want to go before just going there, before Absolutely. just taking those steps to, to get where you're going. I love Absolutely. this. And I love that you had, had these questions ready. And, you know, to, uh, to uh, meet your French saying, I will, I will meet you with a Sun Tzu uh, quote, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. you are saying exactly that. Yes. You are saying, ask these questions. And can you give me that French again? Because that was brilliant. Love it. Maybe yeah. we make that the name of the title of this episode. Exactly. That'd be, <laughs> and what does that mean in French? Well, it's or the reason for being, right? It's the reason for being. 
God, we're going to turn this into some kind of podcast global strategy, you know, <laughs> some thought leadership around reason for being brilliant. Exactly. Is any one of these questions the most important or are all these questions, things you need to think about ahead of time before yeah. you launch? I mean, I would definitely start with what uh, what the purpose or the reason uh, for being is for your podcast. Like, wh why are you coming out with this show? Like, what is it that you identified that you felt so compelled to put this podcast together? Right. As a, as a result of that um, that key insight, that finding that you had, I would even go a step further because I've been asked um, on other shows, like, okay, how do you come up with uh, not how do you come up with the content, but how do you come up with the topics, and then you pick the guest, and then and then that leads to an interview. And um, I'd like to go back to, uh, well, if you're familiar with it, Chinese acupuncture, right? Hell yeah. Yeah. So Chinese acupuncture, I'm not going to go into the nitty gritty of it, but like if you've, if you've seen those old diagrams of uh, acupuncture. You get gritty. It's our well, podcast, man. Tell me about it. I mean, I've had like needling hmm. at like therapy, sports therapy. Okay. Is it similar to that? It's, uh, yeah, it's similar to that. It's, uh, it's, it, I would say it's almost like an offshoot of, um, okay. acupuncture, maybe right? more spiritual, more like zone based as opposed to Correct. muscle based. Correct. Tell me about well, it. Well, I'm going to get, in, uh, I'm going to get to the point here. So why do I come up with the acupuncture analogy? Because in acupuncture, the human body, if you see that diagram, it has pressure points, right? And each of these pressure points is connected to a different organ in your body, which then, um, implies or then gives further uh, hints about what kind of pains we're talking about here. Okay. What kind of uh, what kind of energy then flows through your body, and how that is then kind of correlated to whatever your physical state is. Right. And now people are going to say, "So, Christian, what the heck does that have to do with B two B marketing?" What that has to do with B two B marketing is if you use the acupuncture analogy, then you go and use that now where you're in a situation where you delve into the mind of a B2B marketer and what challenges that they're facing. What are their pressure points? What are their challenges? Right. What are they confronted with? And, you know, and the guys or the people that listen to my show, so the, my ideal listener, the target audience, these tend to be, there are marketers that work in larger companies, but a lot of people that have communicated with me on LinkedIn tend to be, B2B marketers who are in smaller teams. And I believe this is part of the reason why they come to you for podcasting too, Casey, because they are mandated to deliver on so many things. Yeah. Right. Even though they have a small team and they have limited resources, but they have a lot of goals and objectives that they need to meet um, in spite of their very obvious constraints. Right. Wow. So what, what yeah. so what's the, so what's the outcome or what's the solution? Uh, oh, it's too much work. I'm overwhelmed. I'll give up. No. The result is you decide or you prioritize, like, what is it that you can do in-house and what is it that you can outsource, right? And then that's, that, that's how, that's how uh, the problem is solved or that's how the solution, that's how you come up with a solution. So I came, up with, um, I came up with the topics for the show looking at, actually it was a multi-pronged approach, right? So I look at what people are talking about on LinkedIn. What are they discussing? What are they heavily debating, right? Like, and there's several camps that, you know, they agree and disagree with each other. I've had conversations just like you and I are having right now with B2B marketers and to talk to them about, okay, so what is it that keeps you up at night? What are you, what are you dealing with right now? Okay. So you've got this one issue here. So how do you tend to address that? Right. And I take all of these insights and all these answers they're giving me. And I try to identify, or I try to cluster it into topics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then from there, I, I, come up with a topic and the questions and then say, okay, so who do I know or who can I identify in my broader network who might be an ideal candidate that can speak uh, very comfortably and at length about this particular topic in a way that would benefit the audience. And that's how I get the guests on the show. I love this, man. And, you know, I just I feel compelled to bring this up. Um, sure for for your you know um taking a step back to mm -hmm. the uh i love the reference to the acupuncture around you have pressure points and then organs yeah. and i think for the longest time i kind of thought that might be a little bullshit um mm -hmm. until the literally the other day 
um, I was talking to some fellow ski patrollers, and they talked about someone who got injured, yeah. and they ruptured their spleen on the left side of their body, and they didn't they didn't feel it. It's a little tender, right? Uh -huh. But they had a crazy pain in their left shoulder, right? So much so they thought they broke their left shoulder or sprained it or something. The left shoulder was fine. It was a referred pain from right. another part in their body. And it just yeah. goes to show that there are these symptoms that can surface it in mm -hmm. a completely different part of the, the body. And so things are connected. Um, and I just wanted to share that with you because I think Absolutely. sometimes people tend to think, oh, anything, anything that happens to sound mystic or different or foreign uh, can't possibly be true. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it, bodies are not like just straightforward, you know? We're no, not like not. computer yeah. chips, like on off. There's these, these intricate wirings and all of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I would go a step further with regards to the strategy, like the reason why I came up with a podcast, right? It was really born out of, um, and we might've had this conversation pre, you know, uh, previously, but, um, it was born out of my professional experience and the experience of my clients. And, uh, what was that exactly? especially in the world of B2B, um, for a very long time, it's changing, thankfully, but um, for a very long time, marketing was always uh, playing second fiddle. Hmm. Right. Was not given the, uh, you know, use of whatever analogy you want, the limelight, the airtime, right? The, uh, the, the time on stage, right? That it rightfully deserved. And every time, every time there was an annual review or, or we used to do annual planning when I was a corporate, right? Yeah. They would always say, okay, um, you know, for marketing, I think we need to just um, not increase their budget for the next financial year. But you've got to deliver more. Yeah. Right? right. You've yeah. got to do more with the same budget. Just you got to be, uh, what, what was the term they always used? you got to uh, think of a smart way to do it, right? Right. And then, bam, financial crisis, recession. Okay, who gets a... You know, whose budget gets uh, thrown onto the chopping block first? Marketing. Marketing. Hmm. Right. And that's, and that was just, a, you know, it was a frustration that I had um, personally as a, um, you know, as a marketer. It was a frustration that clients of mine had. And it boiled down to a couple of factors. Okay. Hmm. Marketing was not seen as being a strategic organ within the organization. Marketing was not seen as being a genuine, uh, a, a revenue generator, rather as a cost center. Right. And as a result of that mindset, they defaulted into, okay, marketing is a support function or mechanism that has to support sales and HR and all these other business units. Right. And they didn't get that voice at the table. And when I, what I mean by that is like, you know, in the higher levels of senior management, right. But in order for that conversation to change, marketing has to prove that they are, in fact, uh, they, they do, in fact, have a strategic role. They are also accountable for the revenue. They also um, actually do not have to be pitted against salespeople. They can actually work together quite well. Right. However, so the, it, the, that change has been enacted, and you know you can slowly see some development there. But for that mindset to change within a B2B organization, marketers need to change too. And that's how I came up with B2B marketers on a mission, because we're on a mission to enact change within ourselves, right? Within our areas of expertise. Yeah. Um, I've always been a strong believer of continuous improvement, right? Like, you, you know, learning doesn't stop when you leave university, as you well know. I think as an entrepreneur, you're just continuously learning because, you know, there's something new to learn all the time. Well, I love that you shared a, that background, that reason for being with us, because that yeah. has led into B2B Marketers on a Mission. Right. Talk to me about that name, because I feel like that is a brilliant name. I feel like it hits all the checkboxes. Was there an evolution to coming up with that? What was the strategy? Yeah, there, there was an evolution um, to that, because it, it goes back to all those, um, those questions I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, right? Like, okay, so... What should the name of the show be? Um, uh, it should be simple enough for people to remember. It should also be a little bit punchy, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you hear I'm on a mission or somebody's on a mission, uh -huh, it usually tends to have a, uh, a positive connotation, right? Because it's, it's something about improvement yes. and change, right? It's not, it's not when you hear, okay, I'm on a mission. It's like, uh-oh, here it comes, right? 
Um, it's it's something positive, right? And and that's basically the rationale um, behind the name. And it's and it's really to um, deliver um, that change uh, that I'm uh, that I'm hoping uh, you know that we're all that we're all a part of. Um, through these conversations that I'm having with uh, talented professionals, uh, many of them in the B2B marketing space, ideally, and um, sharing not just insights, um, but also their own personal stories. And I think um, I might have heard it in uh, one of your uh, one of your interviews um, that the the greatest stories are always the ones that are told by people about like, okay, well, you know, the reason why I strongly believe that this is not the right approach in marketing is because I made that mistake as a marketer when I was younger. And I learned from that mistake and what that mistake told me was one, two, three, four, five, right? So this is my message to all of you B2B marketers out there that please don't make that same mistake, right? Um, do not implement activities blindly. You've got to come up with a strategy. The strategy has to be based on cost, you know, on, on market research that you conduct and customer feedback or feedback from the market you got to get that validation so so i'm just giving an example yeah no right. totally yeah. get that i i think when i when i break down that name that you have mm -hmm. the the two parts that stand out to me b2b marketers you're talking about who right who you're going to be talking to yes and ideally probably who you're gonna, who you want listening right mm -hmm. and you didn't just leave it at marketers because nope. there are yeah. a lot of other kinds of marketers out there and which sure. I've experienced because I didn't put B2B into my show and but I loved I love the targetedness of that. Mm. And then you said on a mission. And to me, not only is that like a what, it's like a who and a what, but also it's a compliment to both the guest and the yeah. listener. And I in, right. in my world, the number one goal of the name is to get a guest on the show. And mm. who wouldn't want to be honored? as I have been honored to be on a show of like marketers on a mission, holy crap. Yet it's not too crazy. It's not like infinite masters of marketing. You're like, ah, yes. I'm not an infinite master. And anyone who would accept that, you don't want to talk to you because they're going to tell you goofy things, right? You yes. want that humility, like you described of the, the greatest stories told by mistakes. You want people yeah. who would share those mistakes because they're on a mission and it's okay to make a mistake if the mission is a good one. So right. I, I just love the two parts you've, you've nailed here. And I think that's great advice for anyone looking to make a show is like, who are you looking to talk to you? And what can you say that's good about them? Well, what, what kind of complimentary thing or what kind of mission are we all on? You know, and I, and I don't, I don't know if that was intentional, but to me, when I think about all the naming of the podcasts I've done, that one stands out as like a, a perfect model that we should cite in some future book on podcast names of like, this is a great example. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you feel that way. Um, I think another thing that I would want to add for the show um, is uh, something that a guest of mine, um, so, uh, a lady um, based in Boston, I interviewed several months ago. She said something in the interview and that really like made me stop to think about like, yes, this is what my show should be about. She basically talked about encouraging diversity of thinking, right? And what that basically means to me is not necessarily uh, interviewing B2B marketers across different industries, because, you know, B2B is quite broad, right? Not just talking about people that in different, you know, um, have different areas of expertise, but what that also means, which I think is very significant, is B2B marketers across the world people in different geographies. And that has been one of my missions on the show, is to encourage, is to bring on these people from different backgrounds and different countries and different cultures and different nationalities, because we're all passionate about B2B marketing. We're just passionate about it in different ways, right? And one of the things that I've done as a host to just go a little bit like the extra mile, because I think as a host, it's table stakes to just do a little bit of homework on the on the guests that you're interviewing you should at least know the bare minimum about them but what i also do um just to add a bit of an international flavor to the show is like when i when i bring the guests on and i welcome them and all that all that kind of business i try to uh say hello and welcome to them in their language mm, i love that hasn't always been easy i'll i'll, I'll be honest <laughs> some well, language hard one for you which one has been hard so i interviewed a He's a director of marketing for a B2B SaaS company. Um, their global headquarters is in San Jose, California. But this gentleman is based in Chennai, India. Oh, so, nice. 
Chennai is a, a city in southern India, and in Chennai they speak a language called Tamil. Uh, and that was a super. That, I was going to say was, Hindi is pretty. I, yeah. You can kind of grasp Hindi, but it, yeah. it sounds like Tamil might be just a. Yeah, that was challenging. Twisty one. That you know, for me, you know, learning actually it was actually learning German it was challenging because the word oh, yeah. just was so long yeah. that it was hard <laughs> to listen on tape to that. Uh, and yeah. then some of the languages are backwards, right? Which just really yes. makes your brain have to think. Uh, yes. you know, backwards to us is, you know, forwards to them. So Correct. it's not like it's anything wrong. But yeah. I, I love that, man, that the personalization, the idea of uh, showing respect to, to your guests. You know, like mm. what are the different ways you can show respect and also that you value their time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, like, look, at the end of the day, and I guess it depends on the show, but, like, you are asking them, in fact, to set aside 30 to 45 minutes of their time. Yeah. And many of these people, I mean, you know, uh, nine times out of ten, they're not sitting around waiting for Christian to interview them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So make it's it worth their point. while. Right? Make it worth their while. Make, the, make it a conversation where, um, and, you, you you know, you you've... You are really good at doing this. And uh, this is something I learned uh, early on as I started podcasting. Um, <clears throat> let me let me stray a little bit, and then I'll try to get back stray, to the point. Stray, man, um, totally. If you watch, uh, one of the things that I did, like, when I first started out was I started listening back to earlier recordings. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I listened back to some of the earlier ones. I'm like, holy crap, that was not great. <laughs> like, you know, and... Um, but then I, I I didn't I didn't freak out. I said, okay, just take a step back and let's listen to it again and and find out like uh, what it is that um, could be done better. Like, yeah. how can you again continuous improvement, right? How can you improve the way that you are interviewing? Um, what can I do to let the guests guard down? Right. Some people like yourself are very comfortable being in front of a microphone and being interviewed. Some people don't have that much experience at it so they're a little bit tense at the beginning right so it's always about like okay how do you get them to and you can see it from their shoulders right how can you let them you know drop their shoulders get them to relax and ease into this and make it make it look like a fireside chat so what i one of the things i did two of the things in fact um i was watching um cbc which is here the the canadian version of like bbc yes um so i watched the news anchors um i listened to news anchors or, or, or radio hosts, and I'll listen to the way they interview people, right? So, for instance, their tone of voice, their diction, how do they deliver the lines in such a way that doesn't sound like they're reading something that's right in front of them? How much small talk is too much small talk, right? At what point do you say, you know, you, you how much small talk do you engage in to break the ice and then and then you just cut to the chase and then get to the interview at hand. So things like that, right? So I think I thought that was one of the most important things is to just let them make them feel comfortable. And after, you know, after you uh, turn off the recording button to let them say like, oh, that was a, that was a, I really enjoyed that conversation versus, um, well, okay, thanks. Just, just keep me posted. Bye. Right. Cause we've, we've had a few of those too. Right. So. Yeah. It those quick replies can signal even if you heard someone they can signal i don't really give a shit about what you just said and it's like yeah. the kiss of death right like it it just tells them oh okay yeah. all right well that's how we're doing this. this is transactional i get to eat up your time and you don't really care what, what i'm saying so i'm just gonna keep Still talking me. and maybe absolutely. your listeners will but but listeners hear that right the audience hears oh, it. Yeah. you don't absolutely. care absolutely they may not yeah. care, or if they do care, they're going to be pissed at you for not caring. So either exactly. way, it's exactly. like don't get yourself in a situation where you don't care what they're saying. Absolutely correct. And uh, because if you do get into that situation of, quote, ACDC, it's the highway to hell, right? <laughs> we got we got to cite that in the book, right? We got yeah. to say, look, the highway to hell with your podcast is if you don't give if you don't, two if you hells do about yes. your guest because it's a slippery slope and you're going to find yourself bathed in lava in in short order um yeah dude i'm fascinated by the fact that you observed and i love you do this you you observe and prep and think through things and analyze and that's why i love hanging out with you because you notice things that i just sort of went over my head <laughs> so you were looking at news anchors and, and listening to radio hosts what kind of takeaways did you get i, I heard, heard you say you know how much small too 
small talk is too much small talk. But what kind of takeaway? Can you share any takeaways you got from from these anchors and and, yeah. and your your research? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, actually, a few. Um, in in no particular order. Yes. Um, body language, the way they sit, the way they deliver their lines. Uh, I'm I'm saying deliver their lines now, but you know what I mean. Right? Yeah, like totally. um, you know, once you do you do the intro to the show, the outro to the show. Uh, one of the things I really did struggle with in the beginning, which I hope I've well, I, I hope I've improved on it, is how to avoid constantly saying uh uh um, look man all of us podcast hosts we're all we've all been guilty of that at some point right right or how do you avoid all these unnecessary gap fillers how do you avoid saying you know 10 times in a sentence how do you avoid going down the small the small talk path here i go again with the small talk and you know how, how do you avoid going down the small talk path where it's too much small talk and then you end up in the land of Mordor, right? Yeah. Where where you forget what the actual point was and then you, you have a hard time coming back, right? <laughs> right. We start talking about who knows what and beer and Canada and fun thing. And it, we're like, wait, what is this a podcast about podcasting? And then, right. you know, sometimes right. that can be fun to divert and entertain a little bit. But I think right. to your point, left to its devices, yes. it can be crazy. Exactly. So a trained host or a skilled host will know when to stop and come back, right? And do it in such a way that it's not painfully obvious, right? That it's, it it, it kind of like, it, it looks like it's part of the, I'm going to use the theatrical term. It's part of the, uh, it's part of the opening sequence, if you know what I mean, right? No, no, no. What do you mean? It's, um, it, it it's all part, it's, it's all part of the, um, uh, it's all part of the the routine or the way that the oh, person okay. just conducts the conducts it's just part of the show, show right it's just a, it's, right. it seems natural but they right. but you noticed yeah. they were deliberately saying okay yeah exactly <laughs> Enough canoe talk back exactly. to what we were here for exactly okay so and then another thing that i noticed and i uh, actually all the all, all the hosts i listened to whether it was on the radio or on television they did this really really well is and this is really, uh, this is a great skill to have if you're moderating a panel discussion. Oh. Once in a while, I would almost say, no, uh, no, let me take that back. I would say 90% of the time in that panel, you will have one person that will just talk at length and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And how does this, how does a host get that person to like stop talking <laughs> in a polite way? And because, you know, one thing that we do as hosts, right, is we also have to uh, keep track of the time, make sure. sure it doesn't go over time, right? So at one point, you're trying to look at look at the, the guests while they're giving delivering that answer if you're doing a video interview like we are right now. But at the same time, you're looking at your you're looking at your watch. I literally just did. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so and then how do you totally. how do you say things like politely, uh, you know, how do you how do you deal with that situation where you cut them off in a respectful way and move on to the next topic? Right? Do you have a style for doing that? Do you have an interruption yeah. style? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I, I shared this, uh, see, I did again, the, the, you know, so I, totally. uh, I did this, uh, three, I did this three, uh, three part mini series, right. Um, that, that I released, right. So it's a, it's, um, three podcast episodes with, it was a panel discussion with two guests. And they were great, and there was amazing chemistry between the three of us. Um, they had plenty of anecdotes about the what was the topic on the marketing funnel, and so we deliberately did it in three parts because it's the top of the funnel, the middle of the funnel, and the bottom of the funnel. And every so often, they just get so carried away with all the anecdotes that they were talking about that you know we'd go a little bit you know beyond the allocated time. And I would I would chime in with a comment, and we'd all have a good laugh, and I'd say. I'd say, folks, I'm going to move us on to the next topic, which is about, which is very important, which is about da 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 da. And then that's when both of them would start smiling because they knew that they were, <laughs> they were, they were being a little bit cheeky by going on a little bit too long. And then um, now, now I've brought them back, right? But I did it in such a way where I, where I didn't say, okay, stop, let's move on, right? Right. So it wasn't abrupt. It was, a, it was like a gradual, I, it, it was like a gradual transition. 
right? He sort of subtly slipped in there, addressed what they're talking about, and then and then casually redirected, which I'm going to do this very moment uh, yeah. because there's so many things that you've brought up. Mm -hmm. uh, real quick, gap fillers. Yes. Mine is like, and I find that I don't actually hear myself say it, but it's kind of this <laughs> sort of conversational, almost valley girl, but just kind of like chill caveman-esque mm -hmm. <laughs> persona. But I will say like and not hear it until mm -hmm. I listen to myself. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just like, God, why did... <laughs> Stop saying that. And I've literally written down like on my notes and like X'd it off. I just said like, I I will write it down and X it off and still find myself saying it while staring at it. And the best tips I've gotten on that is to fill it with something else. And in, in best case would be silence. Mm -hmm. Yes. Easier said than done. <laughs> Easier said than done. Believe me, because... um. On, on to that point, and I wrote a post about this, I think it was yesterday. So somebody I connected with on LinkedIn, and we finally had the opportunity to meet in person because she came up to Toronto. A good friend of mine now called Tina. And so Tina is, um, to sum, sum it up in one sentence, uh, she is a, a coach and consultant that saves people from boring speeches. Mm. <laughs> so she's... She's trained in theater and performing arts, but also in speech. And she's given tech, TED Talks, so she also does that, right? So she does coaching and training for executives who are, you know, preparing to give te uh, TED Talks. And one of the things I talked to her about like a couple of months ago was, uh, I said, hey, Tina, you really got to help me. I got really got to fix this problem. I find myself, um, this habit I find myself running into constantly as I'm doing these podcast interviews and she goes, well, what's that? It's like one is the, the, uh, the, the constant, uh, and the gap fillers. Mm -hmm. I keep, I always at that time had this need to just keep saying, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, Oh, and, the, you uh, know, one is, yeah, is, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a tricky one. And I, I wouldn't say like, I'm, I'm not, my goal isn't to like hundred percent get rid of it because you, let's face it, you, you can't really. Right. Right. And it's but how do I natural? How do I minimize it? And she said right. something to me, and I will impart this to everybody listening to, to this interview. Um, she said something to the effect of just imagine when you're talking that you're talking to like my daughter who's four years old. So, you know, for four years old, for a four year old, you gotta simplify it a little bit. You have to avoid using too many words, avoid using anything that's bombastic or too long because they're not at that age yet where they can absorb all of that information. So that's not to say that you necessarily, that I necessarily have to talk like I'm, you know, having a conversation with a four year old, but applying that principle and transplanting it to my situation as a podcast host is reduce the amount of comments that I need to say after somebody gives an answer. So reduce that like, oh yeah, Casey, you know, that was a great answer, you know, and I blah, 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 blah. And you know, and you know, and you, maybe instead of like having three or four comments, cut it down to two. Mm -hmm. We'll stop. And to your point, she said that too, silence. If you're not sure what to say and you're tempted to like throw in a gap filler, you just go. That sounds, that looks so weird, right? When you do it, but it, it works. It works. I've tried it a couple of times. And guess what? Neither of us said like, uh, you know, in that five second period of time. Right. Love that. It sounds like I'm we should probably sure. talk to Tina on this show. So we'll have to get her info afterward. Oh, absolutely. And connect her up here. Hmm. Talk to me quickly about time tracking. How do you do time management on your show? I mean, in terms of like just making sure that we don't go over time. Yeah. Um, I, I still do it the old fashioned way. I mean, I say old fashioned. I mean, I look at the, I, I look at the, uh, clock on my computer. Mm -hmm. Just keeping track and of that. Do you have certain parts that you're trying to get to by a certain period of time that yes. let you know if you're on or off track? Certainly do. Um, I usually tell the guests that the conversation or the interview will run for about 40 to 45 minutes. So if we reach like the 25 to 30 minute mark and we're still on question five, I will usually say, I will usually say something to, I will wait, of course, for the, 
for the guest to finish like um, delivering his or her answer. And then after that, I will give my comment and I'll say, um, just Casey, very quickly, on a time check, we are now at um, 442. Um, so we're 30 minutes in, we've still got about five questions to go. And then that's when we start having the discussion about like, okay, do we cut some of the questions? Do we just focus on a few where you can talk at length? Or do we do we fly through it? And I'd rather not fly through it because that that would look really awkward if um you start out a you know a conversation where the person talks at length and to answer question one or two, and then towards question six, seven, and eight, suddenly they're just like one line answers, and that looks a little bit that, that's a little bit weird, right? So definitely. And the other weird thing there is, hey. or or another another kiss of death, highway to hell is running out of time. Yes. And running over is cool if you mm -hmm. both have time. Yes. Running over and having your guests say, I have a hard stop live on the show and I need to leave right now. Because I've got <laughs> a like, meeting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Only needs to happen once to you. I, I've had yeah. some great hosts shoot me a note in chat saying, I have a hard stop. And then I make sure I'm doing that. How is your, how is your hard stop? Do you, have, do you have something in 15 minutes? No, no I'm good. That's cool. Yeah. Well, good, because we're going to go all, all day here. So <laughs> All night. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad you have some time. But that is one of those things mm -hmm. for me. In, in the marketing show that I have, Hardcore Marketing, we have two main sections. There's the talking shop and then the learning about the person. And for me, learning about the person I allow either comes at minute 30 out of an hour yeah. or minute 40. And one of the things I did with Hardcore is I actually had so many great conversations. I bumped the length of the show up to an hour and a half. Wow. And then yeah. I allowed mm -hmm. up to an hour worth of talking shop and learning from people. Yes. And in the last half, I always reserved to get to who the who are you, right? And understanding who they are. Right. I've since gone back to an hour for that show mm. just because I have no time <laughs> and I'm doing this show too. But yeah. I always I always use some milestones. And then what I wanted to share with you for this one is I have sections, and we talked about these sections on the prep call, but I've allowed myself to not have critical milestones on this show other than asking the first question. So it's mm -hmm. been very interesting for me that if we, if I hear a topic that you're saying here and we just want to go down, I've sort of freed myself to, to just go with that. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and on that note, I'm going to transition to, <laughs> to a question I've been dying well to done. ask you. Okay. Right? You like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It, and the thing is, I wrote down early on prep because yeah. you are one of the people that I respect the most in terms of your prep game for a podcast. And you. then you queued it up for me 20 minutes ago by saying, do your homework, do the minimum amount of homework. And then we went off on some other topics. So it was totally cool. But then we brought it back to asking question five, asking question six. You have questions that you want to ask people. And I remember being on your show when you sent me a list of, here are questions that I want to ask you. And it was very mm. tailored to me. Talk to me about how you prepare for a podcast. I just wing it, man. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> Ricky Lake, you know, Jerry Springer, the survey says, uh, your lie detector says false on that one. <laughs> Um, well, clearly it, it usually starts with a pre-interview call. I mean, most hosts only allocate 15 minutes. I do at least 30, um, because this is really the opportunity for me to get to know the guest as but a go, person. But go back. So you interrupt mm -hmm. you real quick. Yeah. Do you do any prep before that pre-interview call? Cause Absolutely. I felt like you were Absolutely. even, yes. more, I don't typically do anything other than the pre-interview and that's mm. my prep exclusively, but I mm. felt very much like you prepped you know honestly it made me feel good yeah. uh, knowing that can you take me back to point zero for an episode sure. okay okay pre-prep call yeah right so pre-prep call is basically where i determine um okay this is the person i want to interview on this particular topic and then i reach out or somebody reaches out to me and we have that correspondence and we more or less agree on what the topic would be and the rest would then be discussed on the prep call date and time is booked and a couple of days prior to the pre-interview call i already do my background research on said individual and usually it's um it's a profile scrape on linkedin right so I, I, again i as i said before at the bare minimum okay who they are 
uh, what's their title, what what company, uh, you know, what company do they work for, or if they're running their own company, what is it, in which industry, and and then I start looking for all these nuggets. And what are these nuggets in particular? Have they? Oh, and we we can go so many ways with this one. Have they been interviewed in a podcast recently? Um, have they been a speaker at an event? Um, did they were they featured in the magazine? Okay, that sounds so nineties, but I'll say it. Um, <laughs> did right. they post something on LinkedIn that got a crazy amount of engagement, mostly for the right reasons? And then I try to zero in on okay. What particular topic do they like talking about? And it's not difficult to find that out because um, a lot of them will have it in their profile. Or if they don't have it in their profile, you'll see it in the content that they post, right? Right. If they're interviewed on a podcast or if they're a speaker at a, at a seminar, webinar, conference, or whatever, there'll be a specific topic there, right? And from that specific topic, um, I'll extract that and say, okay, so this is what... and. Um, give a couple of examples here so if if they're featured if they're featured on a podcast or if they're if the recording of their presentation at a ted talk is online and 90 99.9 .9 of the time it will be i click on it and listen to it and whole i don't think whole thing no not the whole thing okay. just maybe seven the first. minute ted talk yes not an hour long prezo no no, okay. but like maybe the first five, uh, maybe the first 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. Cause that, that to, defines for me how crazy you are, right? It's yes. just how much research you, you do. Um, not that it's bad, but it, oh, but it, it, it takes it, time. It, 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 it does take some time, but it's important. It's important yeah. for me because that's, that's how, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, that's how you let the person's guard down, right? That they don't, that they don't get on the call and go, oh gosh, this is another one of these podcast interviews. And it's clearly not. It's clearly not because I've done my research on you, right? I know 100%. who you are. I felt that it, yeah. you know, very quickly right. with your questions you shared. And so we, we start talking about these topics and, and you know, we'll, I'll throw out a few things or sometimes it's really like defined and I say, okay, well, we're, we're definitely with Casey Cheshire. We're going to talk about B2B podcasting. And this is, these are the, these are the specific topics that I like to talk about. And I do have a standard format for the questions, but I try to, as, as you said before, I try to custom tailor a, a couple of them to that specific individual, right? Okay. And so we, you have, and we you talk, have mm. some default questions, some milestone-like questions, and then you add in some other ones specific to that guest you Correct. have. Does this process in doing all of this, does this mm -hmm. help you pre-vet the fact that you do want to talk to them and you, and you yeah. do care oh, about what they say? 100%. Have you had people 100%. suggested to you or that you even got into this process with and you're realizing there's, I mean, all people are great. We all love all people, but they maybe yeah. aren't a good fit for your show. Right. right. Uh, yes, um, I have. And in fact, if I don't think that they're the right fit for the show, I do not book the pre-interview call with them. Um, got it. I, so I, you do that research yeah. before you book that pre-interview call. Yes. Okay. Yes. The pre-interview call is kind of like, um, it's almost like the second date, as bizarre as that sounds, right? Where I'm almost like second okay, data, like second second source? date, second date, S second date. Oh, because the first yeah. date was you stalking them. Well, I, I'd like to say do my research on them. Okay. Yes, like, yeah. <laughs> that, yes. That, that, that sounds a little bit creepy. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it's almost like the the pre-interview call is like yes. Um, now I finally get to meet you, not in person, but I, you know, I get to have this conversation with you and I know what you sound like and I know what you're more or less what you're like in terms of your, like the, you know, the way that you deliver your, your answers and so forth. And this is just us uh, getting to know each other a little bit better and then arranging the logistics behind the actual interview. See, this is interesting. Sometimes yeah. people might not, I'm probably prior to this conversation, equate the prep call as the first date, mm. but. I understand the idea of having learned about someone or watched them and, you know, maybe it's your favorite podcaster or it's someone you're a fan of, or even it's yeah. like an online dating thing. Mm -hmm. And then you're finally meeting in person. It might be the first date for them, but for you, you've, Correct. you've put in time and, and they're, they're almost familiar to you at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Exactly. That, I'm sure that too, to your point, helps them lower their guard because you're not feeling that anxiety of the first date. You're you're excited to talk to them, and you correct, and you're well informed, and That's all it. of these things. That's it. And if I, 
if I may add another thing, which Please. I noticed that all these other anchors are doing, uh, which I think makes for a great host. It's, um, and I know this sounds like it's, uh, it's again, like, yes, of course you should be doing that, but it's having this curiosity and this ability to dig. And what I mean by that is if you look at it from a journalist's point of view, because I, I, I used to work in an agency where I had a colleague that was a trained journalist. And I would go along with him to, you know, and he would conduct these interviews with um, C-suite and whatnot. And I, I loved the way that he was so, his, you know, he was, um, he, he was a Brit, he was from Manchester. And, you know, he, oh, nice. yes, yeah, he had, and he'd always have his guard down. Like he, he, he talked to them like, you know, he was a, you know, just another one of the lads at the pub, right? Like right. just, and I would love the way that he would listen intently at, you know, the answers that that, um, that C-suite executive was giving and he, and he would write all the answers in shorthand, which I can't do. Right. Yeah. And then he'd listen to what they're saying, like the words that they're using. And then he'd stop and go, right. To that point, you said that the goal for this financial year is da, 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 da. Could you please expand on that last statement that you made? And then, and then he would just keep digging and digging and digging and digging. And that I think is a great technique that, um, podcast hosts that want to get more out of their guests should have they should have that ability to draw out the answers because you know sometimes it's not always a given that you you ask the guest and uh, you know a question and they're going to give this like very long and depth in de uh, you know in-depth and detailed answer sometimes they will but other times they, they won't like they'll try to keep it short but sometimes it's not enough right like sometimes it's not enough to like just have that short answer no you need more especially if there's no if there's no example or if there's no story correlated to that that very theoretical answer that they just gave, right? And you have permission. It's your podcast. You're the yeah. host. You have permission to dig. Right. And and I find that if if the digging is related to what I'm curious about, to your point about curiosity, mm -hmm. passionate about, I can't help but dig and mm -hmm. interrupt and dig and take people back. I've had people tell life stories and mention yeah, I grew up in the house and something, something. And then I went to school. Well, hold on a second. You know, you, you grew up in a house with a, an entrepreneur and a, mm -hmm. an attorney. Like, what was that like? Or like something, right? And, yes. and, and, and stop, stop the, you know, you have permission to stop the tape, back up and, and dig. And I Absolutely. think there's something, if there's a genuine dig, the guests appreciate it, right? And it's the opposite yes. of those transactional podcasts you and I have been on right. where you say something great. And then they say, okay, great. Next question. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Casey, that's a, yeah. Casey, that's really interesting. Okay. So my next question, and basically when they, you know, when they say that's really interesting, what they're actually saying is like, okay, who cares? Next. Right. Right. You can't, yes. you can't, I, I try to avoid that at all costs because <laughs> yeah. it, it can indicate to either myself or everyone mm -hmm. else that I actually don't know what you just said. Right. And I think one of the benefits for me and podcasting is it forces me to pay attention. Yes. And I appreciate that about it. Absolutely. That focus on that situation. Absolutely. Uh, one other thing that I'd like to add is uh, please, when you're, when you're interviewing guests on podcasts like nice maybe, pause, by the way. Yes, I know. Thank you. It's so meta, isn't it? It's so meta. <laughs> There, there comes a time in some of the conversations that you will have with guests, or they may, they may, or they, they may say something that you don't necessarily agree with. Mm. And I think it's important to have healthy, open discussions, and to be able to respectfully uh, disagree with people or have a healthy conversation without getting defensive or being insulting. And it seems like you know, in the, in the current age and climate that we're all living in it seems like you know the moment somebody disagrees with agrees with you um you know they, they go um <laughs> they go the extra mile to like make you look bad and i think that that's uh, that's unfortunate um i think it's it's important to have uh, again back to what i was saying in the beginning of the conversation diversity of thinking diversity of opinions i remember specifically in our uh, the, the interview that i did with you on my podcast there was something that i said that you didn't necessarily agree with and you had a way of countering it in such a way that it was, yeah, I don't agree with you, Christian, but like, okay, so this is the reason why. And, and mm -hmm. you know, we left it at that and fantastic and let's move on. Right? Do you have a way of 
doing that? Because I personally don't even like conflict. And sometimes mm. when you don't like conflict, you perceive that you disagreeing means like you've broken the relationship. And so you need special devices to be able to broker disagreeing without thinking that you're ruining your yes. connection with a guest. Special devices is probably the best description for that, right? Because I think it, and it was also going back to something that you said. It was, um, you, you know, in these interviews, you're trying to like honor the guests and the, the conversation is really about them and their expertise. Now, if you as the host are going to constantly disagree with what they're saying, it's going to make them look bad. And then, you know, back to go, you know, back to what we were saying about the barrier going up, right? Well, that's the surefire way of making their barrier go up. I think there's a way of like, um, being diplomatic and like, uh, respectfully disagreeing with them, but then leaving it as let's, you know, uh, let's agree to disagree and yeah. let's move on to a topic, uh, because like, look, we can be both equally passionate about this topic. We were just going to have different views and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it can also make it more fun and exciting done right. I, I had a recent conversation on the marketing podcast mm. and the person brought up forms and, you know, oh. so many people like to say, yeah. get rid of all your forms on yes. your website or don't. Ungate so, your content. Ungate yeah, all of it. <laughs> ungate everything, right? And so <laughs> yeah. that, that's not what I believe right. should be the right strategy for most mm -hmm. companies. So when he brought it up, I'm trying to think back what I said, but I think what I did was I sort of inquired. And I think that's the best way to, it's yes. not to jump to conclusions, but to say, you know, is it really, is this the case? And I think I've heard Rogan do this well too. Where he's like, really? Or he'll say something like that, like, Meh, or he'll just jump on it. But like just inquiring, yeah. like, really? All forms, huh? And this started this sort of, and then I was like, okay, healthy debate, let's go. And it was actually interesting. It helped me re-engage because I was getting a little, the mm. podcast felt a little repetitive. And I was like, mm -hmm. ah, I'm not as interested right now. But as yeah. soon as that topic came up, yeah. I re-engaged and was able to jump into it. So I, I love that yeah. you brought up the idea of disagreeing. It, you're right, you can't force yeah. it. But if, it, if it, it presents itself, I think it can be great. Yeah, I think exactly. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's tricky. It's easier said than done. I think the, the key is, uh, not to be defensive or condescending. Right. I like that. Yeah. Defensive or condescending. I don't think you and I have to worry about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's some narcissistic nope. podcast hosts out there listening, you probably don't know who you are, so it doesn't doesn't matter for you either. <laughs> well, well, they're not even going to get get to the pre-interview call. <laughs> they're not even listening to this because they already know, right? They yeah, already exactly. know everything about podcasting. Um, I did once have someone who said, "Yeah, I want to talk to Oprah." I'm like, "We haven't even launched your show yet. Can you just hold on a second? <laughs> Oprah does not hang on there, son. Right? Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> so yeah. good. Incredible. So. so Cycling back to prep, is there anything else we haven't talked about? The, the, the pre-prep call prep, mm -hmm. the prep call itself, any other things you do? Or does that, by the time you've done that research and talked to the person, you're ready? I think I've covered the key points of the, okay. that, that initial preparation stage. And, you know, usually during the pre-interview call, uh, the guests would naturally ask it's pretty standard questions about like, okay, yeah. so how long? You know, what's the running time of the interview and uh, is it going to be on video or audio only and uh and some sometimes they sometimes they do ask like if they have to be dressed a certain way and i i generally i i i i, I generally say we don't have a dress code for the show um, dress code beachwear yeah it's a beachwear yeah. podcast <laughs> i'll be in my yeah. trunks <laughs> sipping my marina and my I like surfboard that. i like yeah. that right? <laughs> right, totally so everything's rosy podcasting is amazing mm -hmm. nothing's ever wrong but if there was, what would you say your biggest challenge right now with podcasting? What would you say that is? Just the biggest logistical, challenge. strategic, Just whatever. Biggest thing that isn't perfect for you right now with your podcast. I would, I would say. Uh... A bit more of the not not the distribution. I think the distribution is fine. It's just the it's just the promotion. Um, it's it's really because we do everything in house except for the editing. So all the promotion and distribution is done by us internally, and it's on our channels. And for me, primarily, it's LinkedIn. Like I only promote this content on LinkedIn. 
Sure. I, I, I write out, I, you know, I write the long, the, the short tail and long tail posts. And then, you know, there's the image carousels, the video snippets and, and whatnot. And I feel that perhaps if I had thrown a few more channels into the mix and, or which we already have, I, I just don't mm -hmm. spend a, a lot of time and energy on them. And, you know, if we, if we did a little bit more on those other channels, um, probably, uh, we would, we would be able to grow the show a little bit more. But it's uh, you know it's a it's a question well it's a question of time and it's a question of budget of course and and and, and bandwidth at the end of the day because you know as you as you rightfully said it is time consuming and I don't mind it I in, in fact I feel it's an important component of what I hope makes my show different because it's not just about like okay any you know and I've heard people say this you know everyone and their mom can put together a podcast but very few sure. people. Very few people can put together a decent podcast where you know you walk away from you walk away from listening to that and you go, "Wow, I really learned something there." Decent you know? podcast week after week after week after week after week. Yeah, exactly. That uh, can be challenging. Yeah. My final question for you, sir, because you've been so gracious coming on here and geeking out with me on this topic, <laughs> is around your show. Mm -hmm. And we started out talking about your your key strategy, and I, I want to leave with your vision for your show, oftentimes when you hit those those milestones of 50 or, you know, 50 is kind of like a year of podcasting and 100 now, 102. When you hit these numbers, sometimes things change and, and interests and passions and, and the shows might change and morph. So my question to you is, we chat again in 50 episodes. What does your show look like? What do you hope it's doing? What do you hope is happening? I did think about like uh, towards the end of this year uh, doing a bit, little bit of a, a deep dive a soul search or whatever you want to call it and just looking at back at the 102 episodes to see okay what is it that I that, that we did that was great um, not dwell too much on the things that weren't great but focus uh, rather focus more on okay what can we do to avoid that from happening again or what can we do to improve and to make it a better show, uh, rolling into 2023. Right. So what I'm hoping, uh, to answer your question, maybe, you know, another 50 episodes down the road that we will, we will have a, a better show, not just in terms of the, the quality of the content, but also, you know, in terms of the production. Um, but also, uh, one thing that I've neglected uh this year and that's really also because of bandwidth issues but um i i have not written any blog articles as a result of the content i have and that's really something that i i i, I really gotta get my groove on there right and start doing that so those are those are some of the things that I, you know i'd like to do um another thing that i'd like to do more of which i tried out this year and it worked out well but i think i need to do a few more of those um going into the next year is solo episodes like solo recordings and this is uh based on use you know on user-based feedback on linkedin people asking me questions about particular episodes and like christian this is a great episode and i have a question for you so if a b2b marketer is what if you know what if a b2b marketer is more execution based or execution focused and they're lacking in strategy so what is you know how would they how, how do you think they could you know address that problem and then another marketer chimed in and said, yeah, Christian, I'm really curious to know. I'm like, okay, okay, I get the hint. You want, you want a solo, you know, you want a solo episode around that topic, right? So things like that, right? So if, and this is another way that I was thinking about creating uh, topics for my content calendar in the next year is looking back at all this engagement I've gotten on the podcast on LinkedIn and looking at the questions that people have been asking. And the answers to those questions should be an episode. Right? Yeah, and, they should. Hmm. Same medium, same mechanism. Correct, correct. And the the panel discussion. So I did the three part series. I think right. that um, that worked really well. Uh, we got really uh, a great response. Um, you know, on LinkedIn for that um, because it is an irrelevant topic. I mean, like everybody everybody's talking about a marketing funnel in some some shape or form. So the question for me is like, okay, so that worked really well. So what could I do in that same vein for the next year on a different topic? Or do we come back to the same topic, but just look at it from a different angle, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can, you know, you can talk about the marketing funnel until the cows come home because there's, you know, 
using the, um, I'd like to call it the journalist's perspective. And what does that mean? There's 10 different ways to tell a story. Look at it from a different angle. Yeah. Different angle. Mm. I love this, man. And you brought up the, I mean, we can go down that. That's a rabbit hole too. I, the idea of <laughs> what does a journalist see? Uh, and maybe this is when we do have you come back and we can't wait till 50 uh, on this one because we could geek <laughs> okay. out all day. We could yeah. just quit our jobs and talk podcasts all day. Uh, yeah. But the idea of the solo, I wrote that down mm. because I feel like that's one of those topics that I don't necessarily have experience with but have mm -hmm. felt that need. It sounds like you had it requested, which is yeah. super cool. And yeah. I, I understand why because you are the guy to ask these questions to. <laughs> but oftentimes the host has this moment where they – they want to respond, but it isn't really right. It's not the show about them. I even had a moment earlier in this show where I probably shouldn't have said something, but I did. And I was like, ah, I felt bad about it afterward. And there's these things, that maybe these anecdotes or strategies or references that you might hold on to. And I feel like a podcast host might need an outlet, which is that solo. And the one thing yes. that I'm going to do, and I might you know, I'll sort of share this with you. I'll let you know how this goes. We can experiment with these mm. different solos. I'm going to do a reaction video to to this podcast, right? Ah. So an episode from this podcast, probably okay. all of them. And yeah. my goal is to go back through and listen and learn again, taking notes with the mm -hmm. lens of I'm turning this into a book on the topic and I and I want to solidify where these pieces of learning go. Sure. And but but might as well let other people benefit from watching me go, oh yeah, that Christian talked about solos. That needs a place somewhere. Mm in the book and like, let's talk about solos. I feel like I need to even process it verbally for myself. Yeah. As much yeah. as for everyone else. Exactly. It's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. I was trying to think about like, there's this, uh, there's this series on uh, YouTube called, called um, Honest Trailers, right? So <laughs> <laughs> I've seen those. Yeah, probably, um, you know, your version of that with minus all the cussing and the, and the profanity, but right. you know, because they, because they, I mean, there's a reason why it's called honest trailers, right? Because this movie really, sucks. Yeah. Give us you your know? $12 and yeah. we'll show you why, you <laughs> exactly. know, it's, it, they're a great channel. <laughs> Absolutely. A great channel. I'm actually planning on doing it on YouTube as well. Mm. I was thinking going live with it, not that anyone's going to join, but that might give me that social pressure to do it. You know, just knowing that I'm creating content that can be repurposed as well. And just to capture that process of, hey, I'm running a book. Watch me, watch me literally do it in front of your eyes with this process. I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss that nobody's going to watch it. I would see it more like, you know, some of the things that I'm doing right now. It's a continuous cycle of uh, experimentation. Yeah. You see what works and, you know, you try it out in spurts and then you... And you know if it if it sticks, and you know you're getting you're you're getting uh, some positive feedback or resonance, then you build on it. If it's not working, uh, you know don't immediately drop it. Like you know, do a little right. bit of an autopsy and diagnose like what 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 went wrong, or not necessarily what went wrong, but like uh, you know what can you do to improve it? What what can you do better? Tweak it a little bit, and then see if that works. Right? Yeah. Experiment. Don't just kill it if it right. doesn't immediately have 30 people following it and, oh, this That's is right. the best thing ever. That's um, right. If you create good content, I think in the end, people will listen. People will watch because you're creating good stuff and you're letting people know about it. So promotion is a whole other topic for another day. Dude, oh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out, they want to say hi, they want to follow your podcast, throw out all the details, all the URLs, all that stuff? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks again for having me. Um, well, having me on this show, and thanks again for interviewing me. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, you can reach me at uh, on LinkedIn. So my handle is uh, Christian Dash Clef Dash I'm like Consulting. So I'm like as E I N B L I C K Consulting. You can visit our website at www.imblick.co, or you can download um, B2B Marketers on a Mission. Um, it's on it's on our website, or you can just download it from um, Apple, uh, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, all the places, uh, Google Podcasts, all the places, right? But yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best place to get a hold of me, right? And for as long as you don't pitch slap me, I will most likely respond. Right? Do not pitch. 
and if you don't pitch, definitely say you heard him here on this podcast. And if you do pitch, definitely leave this off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't exactly. get me in trouble. But yeah, uh, no, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Like, if you do connect with me on LinkedIn, please mention that you uh, listen to this interview with uh, Casey Cheshire. That way you get an auto ad. It'll get yes. you right through the security gates. Yep. Well, that's it. Christian, man, I, I literally have so much notes over here. Um, you know, the replay of this, the uh, reaction video to this podcast is going to be like two hours because <laughs> there are so many things I've learned just chatting with you and you identifying some key points. So thank you so much for coming on here. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure. All right, everyone, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes there, they literally physically are, uh, then share this with someone else. That's thought leadership, getting good information into one person's hand, nine per nine persons, 3,000 persons. Uh, get this good info into someone else's hands. And maybe there's a podcast you listen to and it needs a little help. Forward this over. Maybe you love it and you want them to be even better. Forward this over to get, get all your podcaster friends in the loop, learning from Christian and myself here on the show. Thanks again, dude. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Take care. All right, everyone. This has been another exciting and very informative episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.